0: Today's episode is sponsored by the American Homebrewers Association. Become a part of the U.S.'s largest community of homebrewers for just $48 a year by going to unitedwedrink.com AHA. What exactly do you get with your AHA membership? How about a year-long subscription to Zymergy Magazine, the world's longest-running homebrew magazine, exclusive deals and discounts at over 2,000 breweries, bars, and bottle shops across America discounts on Brewers Publication books and merchandise, access to a huge library of previous Homebrew Con seminars and talks, and early access to purchasing tickets to each year's Great American Beer Festival and Saver. Sign up now by going to unitedwedrink.com/aha and get a year's membership for just $48 and if you sign up now, you'll get a free gift. What's that gift? I'm not saying, you need to go see for yourself. It's pretty great. Support United We Drink, support home brewing, and support the American Homebrewers Association at unitedwedrink.com/aha. The opinions and statements in this podcast do not represent those of the hosts, employers, coworkers, family, or imaginary friends. Now enjoy the show.
1: Happy hour, more like amateur hour. Welcome to United We Drink.
0: Hello everyone and welcome back to a podcast that doesn't have $500 to pay for dirt on a brewery. Welcome to United We Drink right here on unitedwedrink.com as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and wherever fine podcasts are found. My name is Mikey Revich and I'm recording this show in my final days of bachelorhood. Is that a word? I don't care. Uh, And I'm joined by my two co-hosts. First up is a man who makes wearing a mask look pretty damn sexy. Here's Phil Palmasano.
1: I appreciate that. Um, on on behalf of all of us that try to be Bane on a daily basis, thank you. Um, and uh, could you imagine what we could actually do with $500 as a podcast? Just throwing that out there hypothetically.
0: Uh, I could think of many things, some of them legal, some of them not. uh, All you got
1: to do is one time, just a one quick flip. Buy a brick, flip it, you're good to go.
0: I I, I don't feel that I need to give that to some listener who might make up something about uh, a brewery in order to uh, get a scoop.
1: I was actually talking about a brick of Cascade Hops.
0: Ah, good bricks.
1: So, there you go.
0: Next up is someone who has recently joined or at least I think, recently joined Team Spreets. It's Joel Codner.
2: Uh, my membership is pending. I've put in an application. I'm I'm interested, but uh, I don't know. I, I'm still on Team Seltzer, so I feel like I'm halfway there.
0: Has, has has Kevin not processed that application yet? I know he's not very good with uh, the interwebs and technology.
2: Yeah, he's busy doing shit. I don't know.
0: Um, Joel's still trying to work on getting a Truly, uh, sponsorship for the show.
2: Yeah, fucking, uh, and Phil didn't, uh, warn us, but Vizzy is buy one, get one free this week, starting today at Publix. That's not true. I
1: gave you a warning like three weeks ago on that.
2: How, how you guys know I don't remember <laughs> anything you say.
0: I need
1: reminders. need reminders back through um, our Slack channel.
0: Yeah,
2: I still bought two trulys, Lemonade and the Berry Pack. No one's got the Citrus Pack. Where did that go?
0: Phil, do you know where that where that go?
1: I have no clue, actually.
0: <laughs> so I think it's safe to assume that Joel's drinking truly lemonade right now.
1: I have two
2: strawberry lemonades in front of me, one I've already finished uh while we were waiting on some technical difficulties, plus my um obligatory uh standard show bottle of airplane size malort.
0: Phil, what are you consuming?
1: I am uh, celebrating National IPA Day, hashtag IPA Day, with a Benwood Hazy double IPA from Cigar City. And then, uh, to keep things true, uh, a No Mamies on the uh, the back end from Tripping Animals Mexican-style lager. Nice.
0: So I have something very special. Uh, friend of the, the show. the last
1: podcast of you being a bachelor.
0: This This that I'm about to show you, is going to probably make at least one of you jealous uh friend of the show and former intern of the show randy came by the brewery today and dropped me off a gift for my wedding uh and it is something that i have talked about on this show a number of times and it is nick offerman in 11
1: very nice Uh,
0: scotch. So I am uh, cracking this open. Uh, I, I, I have said on the show before how Randy gave me a bottle of Lagavulin 16 at one point as a gift. And I'm almost out of that. So he heard that and decided, Hey, I know of a place where they got the offerman edition Lagavulin. So that will be his wedding gift. So, thank you Randy for this and I'm just just opened it and just sipping it for the first time.
2: I feel like you should be pairing that with a massive plate of bacon.
0: Uh, probably. Any type of pork drinking product. In a wood shop. It is it's definitely smoky, Petey, like I, I actually think sixteen is is petier than this. This is like very, in my opinion, approachable for an eyelid. I'll bring it to the wedding. You guys can uh, have some too.
1: Well, it looks like I'm staying a little bit longer. Thanks, you can, Mike. You can they, stay over too. We Randy. have five
0: bedrooms. <laughs> um so we decided with with the whole wedding thing we normally record on weekends, we're not going to do it. On my wedding weekend. So we're recording about a whole week early than we would release this. We tried to get a guest on the show. A number of them fell through. So Phil came up with the idea to talk about some uh, some good memories in our, our beer journeys. Um, I felt like we talked a little bit about some of this stuff before. But I, I think that we can be different enough uh from talking about like where we started off in the industry or or bad bad decisions that we made in this industry um that was an episode right that wasn't just uh yes, hanging I around so. drinking um so let's let's talk about some good memories in this this beer industry and i think uh have we ever discussed to the folks out there how we all met through beer
1: i don't think so and and this whole topic came about because um obviously you're getting married this weekend uh the last episode you actually got a uh you the listener got a sneak peek into uh the uh, social distancing bachelor party as my wife would like to call it and um uh, but you only got at, at such a small portion of the conversation that we had. And we we actually, the three of us and our good friend Kevin, um had amazing conversation throughout the day. And we constantly hit on different things from years ago that I honestly, I haven't thought about. And I think that regardless of where you live or... Uh, how long you've been involved in craft beer you can probably relate to the exact same way that the three of us met became very close friends and um, and and got into this into- we've talked about how we got into the industry but some of some of the really good memories that we've had and and as we discussed it it, it it's it, it's fitting that the three of us are sitting on a podcast together because we've experienced some really good things together as a team, um, even before we were a team. We were just friends.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, one time I remember the, the three of us hanging out at the Jupiter Craft Brewers Festival and us, like, purposefully, this this had to be, like, 2011 or something like that going and being like, we got to go stand in line for Cigar City. And (laughs) they, they had, I think it was the 69 double cream ale and Hunapu. If I, if I recall, right. And Wayne was, was there, I believe pouring that day. Phil, maybe you remember you, you weren't working for them.
1: No, yeah, it, I, I want to say it was 2010 was the year, because yeah. I have a picture uh, oh, of yeah. the infamous drinking glove uh, <laughs> and myself and Joel, um, and, and the drinking glove is its own individual person. Um, I want to say it was 2010. I do remember them having Batch 69 double cream ale. Uh, they did have Hoonapoo, and I want I want to say it was Tim Ogden. And possibly Wayne, uh, serving on that giant white hand-painted jockey box that they used to have, um, that was uh a, a massive pain in the butt to set up. Um, insider, <laughs> uh, sort of tip on that one. <laughs> and what
2: my memory of Hunapu is not only, you know, trying something like that for the first time, and I think it was something that nobody had ever really experienced before, but. The other aspect of it was everyone was like, I cannot rinse this out of my taster cup. Like every- <laughs> Everybody was looking for water. Like, look at how it's coated my goddamn cup.
1: Yeah, I remember it, it was definitely 2010 because I remember thinking that it was actually a pretty regular beer to come about. You know, we were still relatively early into the craft, like really into that craft geekdom. Cigar City was brand new and i I want to say it was well. Jupiter Craft Brews Festival is in January, and Hunapu is always released in March. And I want to say it was like two months later. uh, Myself and friend of all three of us, John Cook, ended up making the first trip over to the very first Hunapu Day, uh, where they actually released the bottles, and there were less than probably 700 people hanging out that day. And you think about what that festival was turned into in quite a short amount of time in the landscape of the you know it just every industry in general and you go exponentially higher uh attendance wise it even you know um, unfortunately uh this year attendance was lower because the event had to be canceled due to covid but um it uh it, it it's crazy to see how that has grown. But yes, I I do remember that. And they also had uh my favorite beer of the day on draft that year was oatmeal raisin cookie. Yeah. And I remember man. just freaking out. And Mike, you and I used to take trips over to Fort Myers and Naples to grab at Total Wine. It I man, we used to grab six packs of highlight glass. Yeah like <laughs> it's insane, and today I, I, you know, I, I swung by a grocery store and picked up a twelve-pack cans of and it, it, like, where we've come in such a short amount of time, but you know, Cigar City really did that. That Jupiter Craft Brewers Festival was very memorable for a lot of reasons. One of which we had a great group. Um, there were probably about what ten of us, twelve of us, walking around that year. Yeah. Um, and we were all bloggers at that point in time, and. T- Joel, you've always been into the Twitter thing, so you've always <laughs> twatted. <laughs>
2: well, if it weren't for that, I wouldn't be here right now. I mean, I remember wanting to get into beer, and I just threw a little something out there, and somehow, friend of the show Ed Roberts found me and guided me toward my first mixed six pack. So, um, and that's that. That's kind of something I miss. That that's a good memory. Just going to the store. You know, we, we had basically, you know no breweries here, a uh, couple of brew pubs, Tequesta was all the way up in Tequesta, so you know, at least not easy for me to get to, you know, they weren't really distributing much, and every trip to Total Line was an adventure, like, I would try to squeeze one in whenever I could, whether it was uh, on the way home from work, or, you know, when I was supposed to be somewhere else, <laughs> and uh, I'd, I'd always try to sneak in there, and, and not, not only there, but, like, other... Uh, liquor stores that were starting to bring on craft beer and, and find all these new things and like uh, I think I've mentioned this before like we, you know we talked about like how holy shit like Flying Dog is distributing here now and I remember grabbing a mix six of like the six beers they launched with you know it was it was fun to try new things and not necessarily like we're documenting them by you know maybe putting them on Instagram or Facebook or wherever we're posting Um But, you know, it it wasn't taken so seriously. It wasn't like we had to analyze everything. And and I'm sure the ones we did try to analyze, we didn't know shit about. I mean, I remember getting a a gusher for the first time. And I was like, the fuck is this? Like, I I didn't know what caused it. Now I know like 20 things that could contribute to that. So um yeah it was just a lot of fun i remember uh catching shit from i believe it was ed roberts and some other people because i had put anchor porter in a frosted mug (laughs) (laughs) like i was doing it chili style i had the fucking thick mug coming out of the freezer like you know that's what beer novices think you're supposed to do
0: god i miss anchor porter one of the best porters ever
2: is it
1: still a thing or just not distributed here
0: i i think it's still a thing just not distributed here
1: i i remember and 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 maybe it was i remember when anchor Porter got pulled out of Florida or at <laughs> least stopped distributed in in Florida and i wanna say it was it was either the night there was a night that we and mike i think you went with me it was a a cask release remember those things casks real <laughs> yeah. ale like can you wow my brain just exploded. Uh, the pub down in Pembroke Pines actually had a true engine. Yeah. And um they did a brew dog release. It was the first time brewdog ever sent beer down to South Florida. Mike, you were there, right?
0: I was not. I've I've okay, only been so to that
1: was one that Ed brought me out to and I ended up meeting Tony Kirkish at that and uh, and We're throwing out names like
0: like people know who we're talking about. (laughs) Well,
1: yeah, you throw out. Sorry in advance. Um, But uh, I remember, I think it was the weekend after, he brought a six-pack over to the house, and he was like, have you had this? And I said, yeah, I think I've had it before. And he said, they're not distributing it in the state of Florida anymore. And he was really upset, and we drank a six-pack together. And I was like, damn, this is a really good beer. I definitely miss that um, to this day.
0: Uh, I've only been to the the pub uh, that you're talking about one time before, and strangely enough, I went there after going to a meet-and-greet with Garrett Oliver at the Total Wine out in Pembroke Pines. Garrett Oliver went over there after there, too, and uh, friend of the show, Brian Torres from Funky Buddha, and I sat and talked with Garrett Oliver for like 45 minutes, just about beer. And it was ridiculous uh, how like, I, I can't even remember what year that was, but it was, it had to be like 2012, 2013, somewhere around there. And like, I am, I am sitting here enjoying a beer with a gentleman who is a big deal in Uh, the beer world, and like he's talking to us, like giving us conversation, like not just like going, oh, what's what's your question? All right, moving on. I I mean, it it was an insane thing to think about today. Like, I, I I know that he probably would have a ton of people around trying to ask him questions at this point in time, and. It's just crazy to think that I was able to sit there and have a conversation with him for such a long time and and just a uh segue from talking to Garrett Oliver like at that point like he was he became like a friend on Facebook, like added him as a friend before there was like pages and stuff like that, and it was just like, oh yeah, big deal, whatever like he doesn't know who all these people are when I started working for uh, uh, my first brewery I posted something about it and he replied on my status update like Garrett Oliver was like welcome to the welcome to this industry welcome to this world your life has changed pretty much forever like, uh, I, remember I, like I, I I was like I can't believe that this guy just responded uh to me like that I, it was it was insane
1: yeah and speaking about brooklyn and i know you were with me on this one can you remember back in the day when we used to uh, this was before beer was real big in south florida and just north of us uh or just north about uh where we live now uh about an hour and 45 minutes uh opens up a different territory for a different distributor And um, J.J. Taylor uh, opens up their territory in the Treasure Coast, and Mike and I used to pile into his old Nissan pickup truck on both of our days off. We would align. It it was a Nissan pickup truck, right? Yeah. Yeah. We would align our days off and either jump in my car or his car, and we would drive an hour Fifteen. It was an hour, hour from from where I live, from where you were. So at about an hour and thirty from hour and fifteen from where I was, and literally drive up there, and just to go to Vine and Barley, Port St. Lucie, and see uh, an amazing family owned run bar that had killer. Draft beer, honestly, some of the best beer selection in the state of Florida, and just the nicest people. And I'm still friends with Mark uh, to this day. And they used to carry some of the best Brooklyn selections. I remember one day we took off and we drove up for the uh, chocolate chip cookie blast release. Uh, no,
0: it was, blast was uh, an IPA. The cookie jar porter. Cookie jar uh, porter. That's was what it was. One. We also and went they up were for... out
1: when we got there. Were they? They were. I don't remember that. Or maybe they weren't out, but we couldn't get our growlers filled because no, used we used to do growlers back in the day, yes, too. Because we
0: got dark matter uh, growlers there, uh, which was a bourbon barrel aged, like dark strong or something like that. I, I mean, yep. I I can look that we up. Had, uh, I,
1: I think we had pecans of wrath there from Dogfish Head uh whole bunch of stuff. That I I so many good memories coming from Vine and Barley um and the Treasure Coast uh beer scene. Uh really really awesome awesome times.
0: Dark Matter was a brown ale aged in bourbon barrels.
2: Team brown ale. Yeah. There you go. There you go.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, I used to even when you weren't with me, I I'll, almost cuz every month I had to work a ten, 10 days in a row, including a weekend. And to make up for that, I got the following like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday off a four-day weekend following having to do that. So every one of those Fridays, for the most part, I went up to uh, the Total Wine in Jensen Beach because there was always a bunch of different stuff there than what I could get down in Boynton Beach head over to Vine and Barley when they opened around, I think it was like two that they opened, have have a beer or two, talk with Mark because he was almost always bartending there on Fridays, get a growler to, to go, and head back home and try to be be home by, like miss the rush hour. And uh, like that, that was some fun times. And yeah, going up to Vine and Barley in Port St. Lucie, still there, uh, Mark now has a Vine and Barley in downtown Stewart, Florida, uh, which is uh, a really awesome spot as well. And I, I, uh, I implore anyone who is along the Treasure Coast, South Florida, Central Florida, if you're going through that area, make it a point to stop and go to Vine and Barley. Not sponsoring the show, not uh, anything like that, but I, I, I definitely love that place.
1: I, I shamefully really have still not been there. What really? Uh, we, the three of us really need to make a trip. Uh, it, that is, uh, in my opinion, one of the staple. There, there's only a handful of staple craft beer bars within the state of Florida, um, and and they truly are one of them. Specifically, in that the the South Florida, if you want to consider, um, uh, Port Saint Lucie, uh, uh it's borderline South, south
0: and Central. Yeah. Yeah
1: maybe but we I, can record from there. Yeah. I, I I could ask. I I don't see why not. I look good with a mask on, so I can do anything with a mask <laughs> on. So and that that's not even me saying I look good with a mask on. That's that's Mike. So yeah, but, uh, it but matched yeah, your that, shirt. Yeah, that you, was awesome. You were, that, you were honestly, that quick. was sort of our red light, red light for the longest time. Yeah. You know, yeah. and red light was that bar in Orlando for such a long time. It still is, really. That's where I had my first Cigar City beers.
0: Yeah. Did you go to the original location, Joel?
2: Yeah, it was 2010. Um, I was pretty well into beer by then and Ed Roberts and I happened to be vacationing with our families at the same time there. So, uh, he came by the hotel and <laughs> I remember my in-law family kind of mocking us because Ed Roberts came over, uh, you know, met, met us at our, our, the hotel I was staying with. My, my in-laws had like this, this Disney timeshare and, and my sister-in-law and her family were there as well. And they were all like playing cards and stuff. Ed comes to kind of pick me up for our date and mentioned something about one of the beers being hoppy. And, and my in-laws had already had quite a few glasses of wine at that point. So they started making jokes about like rabbits and hopping and it, it was pretty lame, but they were enjoying themselves. And, uh, yeah, we went over to red La- for, it, we were having a hell of a time finding it, but, um, we got there, we had a bomb. It was a, those were like the the seven fifties of um,
0: shit, like a humidor Bolida. IPA, humidor Humid- oh,
2: IPA, yeah. which is now uh, Spanish cedar highalai in twelve ounce cans. Yep. Um, you're welcome, Phil. And uh, <laughs> we also had fuck. What was it?
0: There was another one of their beers. I just can't think. Improvisation, Bolita.
2: Mm, no, I didn't warmer, have. Winter
1: bu- warmer, big sound.
0: No, I
2: didn't have bolita until I think it was like Phil's wife's ex wife's birthday party one night, and I stopped at BX Beer Depot to grab something on the way. Um, I had a
0: sour bottle of bolita. <laughs> Those <laughs> and, were and, really like the, good, actually. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and that,
2: Mike, that was the Orlando trip where I had a sour 12 ounce bottle of Maduro, and then I brought you one, and it was perfectly fine. <laughs> I was like, Mike's into sours; he may enjoy this. It's like, nah, yeah, it's a brown ale.
1: I, I, I'm pretty sure Joey did a good job of documenting all of that stuff on the blog. But uh, yeah, it, oh yeah, for those of you, they that were don't very know, open about it. What was that?
0: They were very open about it, like uh, transparency. Like, I, I remember I read about the Bolita infection like the day I got back from Nightly Spirits in Orlando and had a bottle of bolita, and I'm like, oh. And it, it talked about how, like, we've tested it. Like, it actually is is quite pleasant, but it's not what we intended for it to be. You can bring it back to the brewery and get a full refund. I'm like, I, I can't go over to Tampa. So I held on to it for a little bit. We opened it one time and it was like, oh, wow, this is a pretty tasty, like, dark sour beer. Yeah. Even the, if, though it the, was unintended. do I
1: remember correctly, the Maduro situation was... Hop particulate got stuck in one of the filler heads of the four head or six head uh, M line machine for the uh, 12 ounce bottles. Yeah, how about that? Like, man, I remember. And here's a throwback my very first day at Cigar City, they send me in and they say, All right, um, we're doing the largest batch that we have ever done of Lie ever. And we're bottling all of it. And I want to say it was a 20-barrel batch of highlight. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it was a 60-barrel batch. and It was probably a 60-barrel batch. Um And so I was like, oh, yeah, awesome. And I thought that was so much beer. And I worked from, it had to be 8 a.m., 7 a.m., till about 4 or 5 p.m., just constantly packing on, packing off, packing on, packing off. Um, Did load on on empties, uh, did everything except for what Doug Dozark, now of Cycle Brewing, um, was doing, which was basically QA, QC on fill levels on the two inline six heads. And I remember going home to my parents' house, which both of you guys have been at, courtesy of cigar Lovely city place. and um <laughs> and Day. and uh and my dad goes you look beat and i'm like yeah that was the hardest day of work i've ever done um i the level of respect that i have for everyone that works behind the brew house and on packaging literally day one changed it I never understood how much labor intensive this industry was until I physically had to do it. And then I show up on the second day and they're like, by the way, you're right back in it. And third day, I got to brew uh, Guava Grove with uh, Tim Ogden, which was amazing. To be able to brew a beer with Tim Ogden was one of my, it honestly still is probably one of my highlights in this profession.
2: I am so glad you brought up that beer because I was just going to ask you about it. When we were reminiscing about the old 750s a few minutes back, three particularly came to mind. Seabass, Vujia Day, which I love not only because it was great, but it's maybe intentionally or unintentionally a George Carlin reference, and uh, Guava Grove. And I wanted to ask whatever, like, is it still a thing? Is it anywhere? Like, I I just feel like I haven't seen it in forever. But I also don't bottle shop as much anymore.
1: Yeah, there was uh, quite some time ago, we were doing a limited runs brewery only of guava grove um so you could swing by the tasting room and pick it up uh the beer the beer is definitely different from what it was back in 2010 2011 um and those early batches of guava grove were really really dry and they were gorgeous in my opinion um i really like the new stuff um there's more fruit forward flavors to it that seems to be what the industry sort of wants or the the patrons really want but um yeah guava grove that that was out of all the monochrome labels of cigar city that was probably one of my favorites
2: and what's Uh. crazy is like you know for as much as i rag on experimental shit these days like you know because it's it feels very uninspired sometimes and like people just wandering the grocery... Like, I, I've i seen multiple beers in the past week that are just legit kettle sours with cotton candy mix. I mean, I, I just... Yeah, I'm sure it's fine, and I'm sure... Like, look, I love cotton candy. I mean, look at me. But, you know, it, it just feels very uninspired to take... Because it, it's a carton of sugar. It is a carton of sugar and food coloring that basically goes in, like, a fucking giant hairdryer and, and makes string. It, it's not like it's this nuanced ingredient... It's just a box of shit. So, you know, at the same time, like, I feel very grateful to Cigar City for, you know, at least in, in my kind of up-and-coming in in the beer world to kind of lead the way and, and show us what can really be done with all of these ingredients, especially local ones. I mean, I mean, I probably hadn't tried some of these flavors like guava for as long as I've been in Florida until I had beers like that. So to be locally inspired and... Experimental, but also such high quality and 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 tremendous flavor and aroma. Like, it, it. I just feel so grateful that we had that to go by because I feel like maybe some other places didn't have that same experience. Uh,
0: I I, as you were talking about Guava Grove, I remember like within the last couple of weeks seeing a post about something related to Guo Grove, and I just looked it up and. There is Petite Pineapple Grove on tap at the uh, the tasting room right now, which is a four and a half percent pineapple sour ale. Uh, that I guess there is a Petite Grove series, according to this, that is just different uh, types of fruits in a more sessionable sour. So, like the Grove name seems to live on. Uh, but with, a, I guess, a more sour ale approach than just uh, the dry Saison that uh, we, we recall from the original Guava Grove days. Because I remember Guava Grove Lactobacillus uh, uh, as a release at one point that turned it into a sour. Uh, and I guess they kind of stuck with that as the direction. Also the draft list is fucking stupid and it's making me really mad right yeah, now. A fucking because,
2: cooler cam dude like I feel like I got to go get cans and shit.
0: Like there's just so much stuff on here that I just want to try uh, that I've I've never even heard of. And I'm like I, I was at A. the
1: mothership last week and was sitting there and honestly I was baffled by the draft list and I ended up just going with um, they had a German style lager and a. Sorry uh, for
0: our appearance. What was that? Sorry for our appearance.
1: No, uh, that. So I. It was. um God, I can't remember the name. It was great. Bernstein. Um, huh? Bernstein. I did have a Bernstein. It was good. There's um, th-
0: there's four lagers on. Like this is I fucking had, awesome.
1: So I had Paloma goes for the first time. Amazing beer. It's just out of this world. Amazing beer. Is that then, named for the uh, brewer? What was that?
2: Is that named for the brewer?
1: Uh, no. It's named after the cocktail. Okay. So, um,
0: there's a brewer named Paloma?
1: Yes. We do have a brewer by the name of Paloma.
0: <laughs> I didn't know
1: that. It's Betty's
2: Brew. I feel like I an idiot because when I met her at the, uh, fucking brewers ball in march for the first time i think i might have called her that but like i might also call you mike loves beer if i'm meeting you for the first time so i think it's okay to go How by using. people call you brew cocky uh, god damn it i was just gonna say uh, <laughs> brew cake
1: <laughs> or brew cake <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i did so i had like two loggers because i was intimidated by the draft list and i was actually holding a meeting and uh and then I had a uh, a Paloma Goes, which was a killer beer. Um, really looking forward to that coming out next year, so that I can uh, I can drink more of it.
0: Yeah, I was looking forward to that this year, but I haven't seen it uh, around. But uh, it's it, it, if it's coming out again next year, I am stoked for that opportunity. But like I'm looking at this the the Tampa Lager. Uh, sorry for our appearance defeated statesman
1: that's uh, i had that one that was awesome it was very very good
0: bernstein like four loggers right there like dope and uh, like you got you got guayabera you got invasion you have another pale ale please scream inside your heart i love that name i don't know what it's a reference to but i just think that that's an awesome name uh like and then you have these the the beers from hanapu day like those the specialty like variations on hanapu on tap uh black is beautiful uh like awesome for cigar city being a part of uh of of that uh, like four barrel aged beers like uh, jesus christ it's, it's been it, way too long since i've list. gone to cigar it's, city you
1: know. And, and, and then on top of that, the, the food is actually really solid for the tasting room as well. Um, but as we as we move away from Cigar City, <laughs> I don't want the whole podcast to be about Cigar City, even though they played such a big part. And, and, and if they you're really not from did. Florida and you're not in craft beer, then maybe you don't comprehend how large that brewery was for us as a state because they really did help a lot.
0: Oh, they absolutely did.
1: Yeah, and and, and and I'm sure there was a local brewery for you if you live in Texas or Massachusetts or uh, Kansas or Missouri that speaks to you the same way that Cigar City speaks to the three of us. Um, just like there's beer bars like Vine and Barley, Abraxis was one that uh, we used to go to down in yeah. Miami Beach, um, Coffee District and Delray Beach. Um, You know, we mentioned BX Beer Depot, which was a home brew shop um, and did bottle shop stuff. Um, Brother Tucker's and Pompano. Brother Tucker's. Oh, my God. We talked about that last week. And I think that concept would fly at this point in time. An all-Belgian-based beer bar with Belgian food. It was amazing. Yeah. We had these honey holes in South Florida specifically. That we were all able to sort of take advantage of, and and frequent as friends and and made friends along the way at the same time. Uh, Joel, being on Twitter, you had to have a it's sort of a different. I, Mike and I have always been on Twitter, and Mike's probably more active than I ever was. Uh, but Mike and I got into this industry as bloggers. When you got into this industry on the Twitter side. Did that open the door to you on a more national level with craft beer people? Uh,
2: I don't really know what you mean by open the door. I think I've just really made some awesome connections through you know Introduced. over the past. Yeah, right. I mean, <clears throat> you know, getting to interact with some amazing people over the past decade or so um, has just really been awesome. I think it really kind of broaden my horizons in a way that I don't think would be possible if I were just here among our community. Not to say that I, I couldn't do the same here without the connection to the outside, but, you know, you get to know how different some of the cultures are in different places, the different perspectives people have. Um, I mean, just following certain people, you can tell how different beer cultures in different regions Um, approach their brewing and their, their styles. And, you know, I mean, this is, this is the conversation I've been having with Mike for a while now, how I'm kind of thinking about relocating possibly at at some point and, you know, how there are other places that appeal to me culturally and, um, how I look at certain breweries and feel like they may not be able to get away with what they're doing in a place like this not to say that any is is better or worse but you know you look at some breweries who they drop their you know can list availability and they're all loggers whereas maybe here it's a little more trend forward with a lot of sours stouts and uh IPAs so um but yeah i i think it it's really been helpful in like I've, I've gotten so many of, you know, what I perceive as, as good values towards beer from people I've never even met. Um, you know, the way I look at certain things. Because, you know, there, there were certain people that I worked for that, you know, were, were good to me, but not necessarily good to the public. Um, but I don't really know how to explain that without getting into too much detail. You guys probably know what I'm talking about. But, you know, to then go online and talk a little shit and then get corrected by someone at Firestone Walker and go, oh, yeah, that that probably is the best way to approach this and, and that kind of thing. So, um, and I've gotten to travel, you know, um, meet so many amazing people. And I, I mean, my trip to Chicago last year it was amazing. And, and those were all people I only knew online. And they were like, oh, you, you got to come, you know, oh, someone else from Twitter is here. Like, you know, come say hi. So, um... And I love all those people. Like I think initially it got me to meeting all of you guys here. And now I've met so many amazing people across the country and uh, hopefully many more to come.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I Twitter is what got Joel and I together as friends. Uh, Phil, Phil and I, like we, I used I used Twitter as as a marketing technique to get people to my blog back in the day. Phil was commenting on my blog and was like, "Hey, this is my blog." And we we were like, "Hey, I enjoy your blog. You should check out my blog." And I check out his blog and it's like, "Oh, sweet." And we were just commenting on each other's posts uh like it sounds like some archaic thing at this point now it's like oh you didn't you didn't text you didn't dm uh like uh like this was what we we did back then and then we started like I met Phil at a Jupiter like for uh, first time in person at a Jupiter Craft Brewers Festival like, I think I met Joel at a uh, Boca Beer Lovers meet meetup at Funky Buddha Lounge yeah. back when yeah. they were Boca still beer just a little uh, Boca lounge. Boca Beer Lovers. Yeah, amazing. Boca Beer Lovers. Shout out to, uh, to Ed Hussey and Laura Hussey, the friends of ours who uh, I, I believe I met through Boca Beer Lovers as well. Uh, Was
2: that guy Jonathan running the group at the time? Yeah, back yes. then. <laughs> oh, boy. Did you ever get to like stroll through Total Wine with him? No. <laughs> oh <Yes>. boy.
0: <laughs> that guy's told so many fo- He was what? okay, every year when Celebration comes out, you'll hear people talk about how there's always those people who say, "Oh, Celebration used to be so good when it had coriander in it." Jonathan was one of those people who was like they They used to put coriander in it, and every year, Sierra Nevada's like, we've never put coriander in celebration. It's always been a fresh hop beer, like the the, the newest hops for that season like i I love that that he is one of those people. And- he, was,
2: he was telling me to buy the last of the Thomas Hardy ale as if he were a time traveler telling me to invest in Bitcoin.
1: <laughs> I mean I did buy a 1982 Thomas Hardy for quite some money that is wow. just sitting for my 50th birthday. Yeah. Wow. I I'm sitting on one.
0: For your 50th? 40th. 40th. Okay. 40th. Is that
1: your birth year? Uh 1982,
0: yeah. Yeah. Wow. We it's funny uh before you showed up uh for the bachelor party weekend, I noticed that Kevin had a number of Thomas Hardys in uh, one of uh, his cabinets, and I was like, "Oh, are those all the 2008s before or, uh, before they stopped making it? Uh, I think they make it again now, but they, they there was it,
1: it. It's on the shelf fresh this year.
0: But they they stopped making it. That was the final year. He's like, Yeah, I I, I bought a bunch of these. I know they're probably terrible. Uh, he's like, I I once sat with a number of people." and had a 50-year-old bottle of this, and we were all trying to convince ourselves that it's not as bad as, as it really is. He's like, it was fucking awful. We just <laughs> tried to justify how much it cost.
1: I'm sure I'll do the same for my 40th birthday. <laughs> hey,
0: if if I can join in, I would love it, because that's also my birth year. Uh, but it was like when we did the uh, 12 beers of Christmas. Some of those way past their prime and the oldest one of those was 12 years old
1: yep absolutely um i i I can't say joel twitter it's so i i wasn't really big into twitter and mike i actually found you off of a google search uh google search because i was trying to find craft beer in south florida and it pulled up with this other beer blog and it was mikelovesbeer.com and i started reading the blog on a daily basis we were doing similar things. I took a different spin than you took, so it wasn't like I was stealing from you or you were stealing from me. Um, and and honestly, we were just such a small community at that point in time that we ended up meeting a ton of people together and eventually started this podcast together um, and, and became very good friends. Joel, Twitter did introduce me to you. But it also introduced me to someone that is near and dear to my heart, and I honestly is probably one of my top five beer stories ever, which was sharing a beer with Jeremy Danner on the roof of Boulevard Brewing Company um, on a trip to Kansas. Uh, that was hands down one of the best. Kansas things. City, Kansas Missouri. City. I I was physically in Kansas. We drove KCK mo <laughs> Sorry, don't. Thank you, me Rand to McNally. that says that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I physically we went to Kansas to see a basketball game. Joel set us up with uh this guy Jeremy. He's a really good guy. I did. And uh and and on the roof of Boulevard, uh at that point in time we had a beer together and we said, hey, we should really talk about doing a collaboration beer together um I was working for Cigar City. He was working for Boulevard. I came back, introduced Wayne to Steven. um and uh the rest is history. It turned into a collaboration, but I drank way too much Tank 7 on the roof of Boulevard overlooking Kansas City and uh you know, it, honestly, Jeremy's one of the best guys that I've ever met in this industry outside of the two of you. And I'm I honestly it is a top five for me and you know in 11 years
2: i don't remember being the one to set that up i feel like you guys might have that was like a blake thing i I don't know like i i feel like there was some other connection there that i don't i don't think i was involved in that honestly
1: but i thought you were or uh, at at least you look i'll take the credit (laughs) before we went out there i don't know i one way or the other, I'm giving you responsibility for that. I've always given you responsibility for that um, or credit. So one Thank or the you. other. You got Thank to
0: you. drink a beer that was at that time employee only in the Hibiscus Goza that is now, I think, a seasonal beer that they make.
1: Yep. Yep. We got that. We got... They were so generous uh, when we did the brewery tour. It was it was amazing and um, eighty acre at that point in time. Uh, I I couldn't get well, my yeah, hands on Gumball Head yeah. on a regular basis, and eighty acre was just killer. Um, but you know, Boulevard was really one of the first beers that got me into craft beer, so it was amazing for me to go back to this area. I'm using air quotes. That I had craft beer very early on in my craft beer journey and have a beer on the roof of the brewery overlooking the city where the beer was made with someone from the brewery. And it really opened my eyes to how generous and hospitable this industry can be and is uh, even to this day.
2: Yeah, when you say generous and hospitable, I mean... Boulevard immediately comes to mind for me because he was cool enough to invite me at my first brewery to Boulevardia three years ago. And it was one of the best weekends of my life. Um, You know, I had met him before once at GABF very briefly, probably a couple of years prior. And he had never tried a drop of my beer. At least I I don't think he did. He might have at that festival. But um, I remember you know, getting invited, pleading with my boss to let us go, like, you know, we had to ship some beer and, you know, get some airline tickets, but I thought it would be really cool to be a part of it, and and I was totally honored to be involved, and, you know, we go out there with our our taproom manager at the time, and it was just such an amazing weekend, everyone was so polite and hospitable and um, generous, and, you know, you're working the festival pouring beer, and there are people going, thank you for being here. And you're like, oh, do you work here? And they're like, no, they're just festival attendees thanking the brewers because they're that cool of a people. And, you know, there was like George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic on stage and this giant fucking Ferris wheel. And just what an amazing time. I was sitting across from John Laffler from Off Color Brewing, who thankfully I got to meet in Chicago last year. But, you know, three years ago, I'm across from him and like, we follow each other, we've interacted and I'm just terrified to go say hello. And I fucking blew the opportunity, but I did meet some amazing people there. Um, just, just such, such an incredible time. And, you know, got to meet Paul's and, um, it, it, and like, I was thinking about it today cause you know, we were trying to work out a, a way to get him on. And I was thinking to myself about how, you know, he invited me and and the brewery i was representing and none nobody there had tried our stuff so i thought to myself like he had to have like gone to bat for us and said hey let's invite these people it's not just like i'm sure sure he didn't have carte blanche to just invite whoever so you know to be one of the chosen few at the moment that i'm just eternally grateful for that kind of thing and and uh, the shamefully, I was not entirely proud of the beer we brought. It just was not our best effort. Um, and I saw (laughs) former brewmaster of, I think it was stone. Uh, I, I, his name escapes me at the moment. I guess he was retiring that weekend and people were making a big deal out of it. Mitch Steele. No, 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 no. It was somebody else. And, uh, he, I watched him take a sample of our beer and like, walk one or two tents away and sometimes I'll eyeball people and like, you know, see what their facial reaction is. And I mean, I might as well have poured him parasitic acid. Like he was like, Argh! like his tongue came out and he fucking dumped it. And I was just devastated. But, um, you know, Hey, it fucking happens, but it was, it was truly one of the best times I've ever had.
0: Yeah, uh, I I was, I was jealous that you uh, or that I wasn't uh, to accompany you. You got uh, to go to, to uh, Spain. <laughs> I did get to go to Spain. That that was uh, that. Yeah, to to think back on on good times, not just for beer, but like in general, that was a great uh, experience. Uh, I mean, to be hosted by Edge Brewing, who are like uh expats for like all intents and purposes for of uh the u.s and who opened up a brewery in barcelona and got to go over there and brew a collaboration with them um met uh people from their craft beer community they hosted an event there just like like I didn't even know that this was happening. We just thought we were going and hanging out and drinking at the the brewery and there were local beer fans and bloggers and podcasters uh, like in the Barcelona commi- uh, beer community coming out and talking to us. They're like you're in an American brewery like 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 oh my god, like this is crazy. I mean, the first day that I was I was there, I was hanging out with Wayne from Cigar City because he had just brewed a collaboration with Edge. Um, I got to go to meet uh, the people from Fort Brewing. Uh, I got to hang out at, still to this day, one of the best experiences of my life, going to Ales Aguilon uh, out in uh, St. Joan Midiona, um, just outside of Barcelona. Carlos, the owner of that brewery, invite like he doesn't have a tasting room. He invited us to come to his brewery, which is also his house, on the top of a hill overlooking this village, with vineyards running down the hill, the small little system that he brews, like American style beers, but then under in the basement of his house, he has barrels of sour beer that he has the uh yeast strain of cantillon uh he incredible he was just pulling nails from barrels it was like here try this here try this doesn't speak a lick of english but was just like here you go help yourself his wife made us dinner like i i i i I was just blown away by the hospitality. He hosts Zwanza Day in Spain at his house brewery every year. Like it was it was incredible. Uh, I I don't think that I'll ever experience anything quite like that because there isn't anything like that in America here. I mean, going to jester King is 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 amazing uh, from stateside because of being a farm a true farmhouse brewery over here, but I mean, Ales Aguilons is just something I don't think I'll ever experience again. You guys fall asleep.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, honestly, I think that's a, it's an awesome place to sort of end the podcast because the hospitality and, and, and listen, it, COVID has taken this thing in a complete th- 180. Everything's crazy. Everything's uh, you know unsure. We almost
0: made it through um, an entire episode without talking about COVID.
1: <laughs> but uh, but the reality of the situation is is that COVID is still going on and and it has impacted our our industry pretty greatly, but the foundation of our industry is really really solid. And we all talked about it and we all talked about how you know it locally nationally regionally we've all been impacted by craft beer at this point in time and and moving forward this is the foundation that we come out and we continue to rebuild on and and this is just a building process this is it's a it's a simple blip in the system that we will go through we will get better we will continue to grow as an industry we are a very in, innovative and uh forward thinking industry that uh will come out of this uh and in, in in a different way and and possibly in a better way if we can continue to build upon this foundation that really spoke to all of us be it you know twelve thirteen years ago
0: yeah uh, the yeah the hospitality the camaraderie i think it's it's a thing that drew me in and continues to keep me in even in the darkest times when I'm, I'm thinking to myself, fuck this industry, fuck the, every person in it who wants to do this, that, and the other that I don't agree with. But every time that I think that I, I go on Twitter and I can see, uh, people like Libby from, uh, second shift, John from, uh, off color, a uh, number of other people out there who are doing wonderful, passionate things in beer and being like, all right, I've been talked off of the, the ledge. I'm back. Thank you, everyone, for uh, for getting me back over here. And I, I'm only speaking for myself, but I, I, I think that that's a thing that all of us feel pretty, pretty strongly about.
2: Yeah, definitely,
1: for sure.
0: All right. So after that stroll down memory lane, uh, I think it's time to about wrap things up. So let's let's do some last calls. Uh, does Does everyone have a last call? Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll get mine out of the way really quick because I don't think mine's all that that crazy. Even though I'm getting married, I'll I'll give a I'll give a thing about my marriage next time, I guess. Uh, I just want to uh, plug an awesome show that I was recently uh, told about, also by friend of the show, Randy, called Taskmaster. It is a British show. It's a game show of sorts that is uh, hosted by Greg Davis, a English comedian who uh, you might know from The Inbetweeners or Cuckoo uh on uh netflix it's completely all free on youtube to watch he pretty much tells comedians to do things and they have to do it and he rates them and gives them points and determines winners i have never laughed so hard at some of these bits like uncontrollably laughing Um, I had a great time. Well, I am not even anywhere close to finishing the series. There's like four or five seasons and it is hilarious. I highly recommend it. Like I said, you have no excuse. It's free on YouTube. Taskmaster. Phil.
1: Awesome. I uh I, I I've been omitting a lot of things on the podcast as of late, and I think it's probably more therapy than it is anything else. So today I'm going to come out. And I'm going to say I am a comic book nerd, um, and I am officially getting back into card gaming, um, in particular. And uh, my son and I have been doing a ton of Pokemon. Uh, online as well as in-person sort of card gaming. Very excited for COVID to end so that I can actually do an actual tournament because I want to see how bad I am in comparison to somebody that's actually been playing this game for quite some time. Um, we did stumble across my plug for the week, though, is not Pokemon. It We we came across this YouTube channel of this this kid opening and ripping packs. And I say kid, and he's only a handful of years younger than me but it's uh, the real breaking Nate. Um, honestly, this guy has such a positive outlook on life and speaks so well and it speaks to people of different ages uh, to the extent where I find myself, my, my kid's obsessed with this guy and this channel And and I get it, it's fun. It's watching somebody rip open packs and you get excited as they get excited as they pull something good and uh this guy really speaks a really good message and it it's to the extent where i'll walk into the room and i get sucked in um just simply because i would i'm i'm curious to see what my son's watching but at the same time i'm really excited to be part of this community and um it seems to be a very positive community uh, it's funny because in high school I sort of had to hide that I was a card gamer or that I liked card gaming because it wasn't socially acceptable within the circle that I was in, which was sports related. Um, being a football player, uh, one of the leaders on the football on the football team, um, it really wasn't socially acceptable for me to be a card gamer. And as a kid, I didn't have the strength or the ability to stand up to some of those people and just say, Yeah, you're dumb. This is fun. It's enjoyable. I blow off. And and now they're overweight and, you know, balding. And um and I'm, you know, and half way decent shape playing Pokemon and I'm very proud of it and um, I love it and I think it's amazing and I uh, am also a haze boy and everything else that I have admitted to over the past episodes so yeah uh, there you go I'm a closet comic book geek and uh, a card gamer all in the same time that was really (laughs) nice Phil
0: good job Joel what are you going to bring us all down on?
2: All right, so everyone... Or Traeger? N- no, no. Uh, while the Traeger thing is, uh, fortunately, Amex let me dispute the charge, and I don't have to pay for it just yet. Got myself an Oklahoma Joes for half the price, so I'm ready to fire that up on Sunday. Yeah, man. Uh, so that's good news. Um, everyone named Saoirse, you gotta go. Um, I I don't know where you came from. I don't know why everyone is named this now but even though I finally learned how to pronounce it, because it's S-A-O-I, three fucking vowels in a row, S-A-O-I-R-S-E, and I know there's one famous person named that, and I see it all the time, so I'm like, well, I, I don't even know what I'm looking at right now, it feels like I picked the wrong Scrabble tiles when I read it, but uh, yeah, like, obviously we're not gonna like kill you, but we, we got to do something with the name. We got to we got to figure this out because even though I know how to pronounce it now, I still don't like looking at it. I still don't like reading it. Uh, you know, it, it just it it's a problem. It, it's it's a visual nightmare, and we 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 got to figure this out.
0: I I don't know if I'm familiar with this name.
1: <laughs> I mean, I am got I going
0: s- down a rabbit hole. <laughs>
1: I've never heard of it, but I mean that's
2: okay. <laughs> I'll text it to you guys. You may recognize it.
0: Okay. Um, Phil, you want to plug anything?
1: Uh yeah. You can follow me at ppomasano77 on Instagram, Dospeerigos on Twitter when I'm actually on there. I do have a LinkedIn page.
2: Joel? I am Florida D-U-H Brewer on Instagram and Twitter and breaking news i have a new instagram account haven't posted anything yet but it's but it's at egg symmetry right e g g s y m m e t r y and it will document my ocd with uh putting the right amount of eggs back in the carton uh back in the fridge uh, basically spaced out evenly with equal weight distribution. It's one of those OCD things that I have. And I got into a little bit of a thing with people on Twitter the other day about it. So I figured, fuck it. I'll take a picture every time I put a carton of 18 eggs or less back, cause I buy the 18 pack. Uh, and you know, it, it's a real nightmare when I've got an odd number that's not divisible by three. So, uh, yeah i am crazy, and that's my new thing. I haven't posted anything, but I probably will by the time you hear this
0: uh, okay <laughs> <laughs> uh i I'm here for you Joel, in case you you need anyone to talk to. Uh, <laughs> you can follow me at Mike Love's beer on Instagram and Twitter, and you can follow the show on Twitter at united We drink. The Instagram account is at United We Drink Pod. Joel tends to forget about the pod part of that. Some asshole. I remember today. Got at United We Drink. And uh, you can uh, also subscribe to the show on any of the major podcast apps Uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts is, I guess, changing things up right now. Uh, Spotify, Stitcher, soon to be uh, Amazon uh, podcasts. Uh, I have already signed us up for that. So whenever that officially launches, we will be available on that. Uh, you can buy a shirt, button, sticker, tote, or anything of that matter. Uh, United we Drink related on our web store, unitedredrink.com slash store. I'm going to start working on some new designs here soon. And a couple ideas I have I think would be really cool. But um, check out, check that out in the meantime. I'm personally a fan of our uh, metal-looking T-shirt. I love it. And uh, other than that, we will be back in a couple weeks. I will be a married man. I'll actually be a mar- married man by the time this episode comes out. But regardless of the fact, I will be married recording uh, on the next episode. Thank you everyone once again for joining us. Cheers.